I guess that I guess I'm I'm proud of the fact that no baseball players have attacked me with a bat yet. <laughs> the fans are fans of baseball as much as they are fans for their team. My main uh, battles have mainly have been against the North American press. Oh yeah, and there, there's this weird guy who thinks Japan actually has a chance of winning <laughs> at the at the very end of the article. That's that's what he wrote. Uh, I, I love Sadaharu, but boy, don't put him in near any big games. <laughs> Speaking of food, this podcast is sponsored by Taqueria in Tejon for the finest in Mexican food in all of Korea. It's Taqueria 0422421600. You guys like Mexican food? I love it. All right, next time you come to Korea, Mexican yeah. food on me at Taqueria. Hey. I think we're all here. All right. <laughs> Let me get my questions out. We don't get the script. <laughs> I want this to be natural. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the ComingToAmericaBaseball.com podcast. We're here in Tokyo today with two very special guests. First, to my left, Jim Allen, and to my right, Michael Westbay. Who are these guys? They're the godfathers of Japanese baseball in English. Wow. <laughs> That's an interesting Do I get to make you an offer you can't refuse? Well, I am Italian, so I, I do the negotiating. <laughs> oh, wow. By well, the, we're not too far from Skiji Fish Market, so the way, if you need some sleeping, we'll know where to go. Yeah, your, your partner, uh, John Gibson, is not in the best graces with some of my Italian family back in New York. One Nino. Mike Ninavaji, who he's had words with on my podcast, oh. and yes, and is coming to the Pacific Rim in 2015. Ah. I have I have T-shirts for you guys afterwards promoting that tour. Was, was John doing his uh, New York impression? No, he oh. was just uh, <laughs> they got into disagreements. Healthy baseball conversation. Oh, oh. Yeah. well, that's yeah, what yeah. Got that. Well, gee, <laughs> like John and I never do that. Yeah. <laughs> you two sound like an old. Uh, husband and wife on the podcast. Yeah, we're the, the, the Bickersons. I love your podcast. Uh, give you background about uh, about Jim. He is one of the co-hosts of Japan Baseball uh, Weekly Podcast, along with John Gibson, also with Kyoto News. Yep. And you've been writing baseball about baseball here since the mid nineties. Early 90s. Early 90s. It's been, yeah. uh, it's been 20 years now. He wrote uh, Jim Allen's Guide to Japanese Baseball, which is how I discovered uh, Jim. Um, I was going through the Usenet uh, forums on uh, San Francisco Giants, and under Jim's name was uh, his... Uh, place of work, Jim Allen's Guide to Japanese Baseball. And I emailed him and said, is this a joke or is this real? <laughs> and his answer was, well, I'm sure hoping that it's real. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. It was real work, but it wasn't real money. Uh, you write for Kyoto News. And I unfortunately, do. no bylines with your name. But Very few, yeah. But uh, tell us about Kyoto, and it's like basically the AP of Japan. Yeah, Kyoto is the uh, Japan's is Japan's national press agency. Uh, it's partly owned by the it's it's subsidized somewhat by the government, and basically our uh, business is ninety percent in Japanese, ninety nine percent in Japanese. Uh, I work in the international department 
and with the overseas section for the English English desk, English sports desk, and basically we look for news in in the Japanese side that will translate into English as well as going out and covering uh, stories, especially you know uh, overseas oriented Japanese stories. And uh, you guys also worked on JapanBaseball.com together, and Michael, you created that. And you're yeah. also uh, part of ScoutDragon.com. Uh, yeah, a uh, scouting uh, website for major league teams. And how's that going? Uh, well, we've got several teams signed up, uh, and it really does help the scouts in preparing their trips to Japan. Um, many of them uh, just swear by it because uh, what it does is it gives them an idea of where they want to go before they get here. A lot of them can basically hit the ground and go straight to where they need to be, scout the people they want to see, and go back. So it saves you know MLB teams money and uh, travel expenses and in not going to places where there really isn't uh, much to see as well. So it's as much about um, what, well, preparing the scouts who are coming to Japan as it is uh, scouting from afar as well. Now everybody's got their story on how they fell in love with Yaku or Japanese baseball. For me, it was in 2002 at, at Koshien. I saw the Tigers and the Giants play. That was a year that Matsui, Hideki Matsui, the Yankee great and Giant great, was rumored to come over the next year. And uh, Godzilla broke the game open in, in the eighth with a double. But anyhow, it was the Thundersticks. It was the fans. It was the girls with the kegs of beer on their back. Uh, it was the balloons. It was the no grass in the infield. It was all that that won me over. How about you, Jim? Uh, gee, I guess uh, it started. A, it started from afar, from an analytical uh, perspective, and that I realized it's a long story. And to make it short, I, I I looked at the Japanese sports papers, and I saw I was a I was an early convert to uh, Sabermetrics when I was in university, uh, nineteen eight early eighties. And when I got here, I noticed the difference between the U.S. box score and the uh, games, the, essentially the uh, score, score sheet sheets. you get in the Japanese newspapers. And I thought, this is a wealth of information. This is what people in America are dying for, giving arms and legs for, uh, to get this kind of data. And so I started gravitating and seeing, what's, this what's the difference? What's going on in Japanese baseball? How is it the same? How is it different? And in the process, I learned the players' names, I learned about the teams, I learned about the backstories, and the rest is uh, more or less history. Now, did you study Japanese yeah. in the States? Yeah. Did you come over with a good grasp of the language? Uh, some people will tell you I still do not have a good grasp <laughs> of the language. It, it depends on how tight you want that, that grip to be. But... Uh, you're able to I, conduct I interviews with Japanese players? Yeah, to, to some Without degree. Translator. Sure, sure mm -hmm. to, some do, mm -hmm. to some degree. And uh, my, I can't write in Japanese. Uh, I, can, I can barely scribble in Japanese. I can, I can read a fair amount. I can speak and I can, I can hear a fair amount. But I did study before I came. Uh, it took uh, several years. I'm not very good at foreign languages. It took a few years to get used to the language. But uh, yeah, Mike, Michael's one of the people who are uh, very adept at Japanese through hard, dint of hard effort. 
Michael, was it love at first sight with Japanese baseball for you? Uh, yes, most definitely. Um, I was actually in high school at the time. My dad worked at uh, Yokosuka Navy Base, and uh, we uh, went to Yokohama Stadium one game against the Carp, and we actually sat on the Carp side. We were supposed to sit on the Yokohama side, but uh, the Carp fans took us in. They uh, helped. They gave us food and and <laughs> taught us uh, the songs. I, I still remember chanting "Katobase uh, Maeda" uh, and 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 all kinds of uh, you know things. And it was just such a a whirlwind of of impressions and. It's so hard to remember anything in particular, yet everything was so overwhelming. And I don't remember the outcome of the game. I don't, <laughs> but it was just an incredible experience. And um, you know, I loved baseball long before I came to Japan, so it just was a natural fit for me. Do you ever feel like either of you guys? You're sitting at the game, and does this? These bang, these drums banging, and these horns going, and the fans are on, you know, their feet most of the game. Do you ever want to just turn it off and hear the crickets, <laughs> like you're in Milwaukee in the middle of July? Well, I lost my voice basically because of Japanese baseball. <laughs> trying to try, you know, uh, trying to just you go to the ball game in America with friends, and you spend the time. Watching the game and talking with your friends. Right. You try to talk to your friends in a Japanese game and you lose your voice. Yeah. I mean, it is permanently damaged. <laughs> because, Not because you were cheering. No. No. But I used to. I used to. I used to be able. You know. I used to have a right fielders at Candlestick Park who dropped the ball for the visiting team could hear me. Right. 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 And now, now I, I can't do that more than yeah. more than once a game. <laughs> And I'd be sitting way back in the reserve seats. <laughs> yeah, when I was younger, um, you know, participating and singing and learning the songs was all a lot of fun. But as you know, you get a little older, uh, you start moving a little more toward the infield seats where it's a little more comfortable and you kind of can have a bit of a conversation with people. It's, it's as Jim says, it's not that easy, but uh, it is, is it's certainly possible. Um, and, uh, you know, enjoy the game, enjoy the sounds and sights of the crowd. Um, but, uh, you know, that's more, I think, age than, uh, <laughs> than I still appreciate the, the crowd. I still appreciate the songs and, and everything. But it's, it's good at a slightly more distance. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, watching American games on TV, it does sound like crickets. It's just... Yeah. It, and that sounds alien to me now. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't sound right. I've met guys who <laughs> yeah, pitch in Korea, yeah. and it's similar over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said they don't want to go back and play MLK. Right. It's uh -huh. just it's just too exciting, and it, it they gets them amped up. Yeah, you get yeah you get hyped mm -hmm. up, you, and and I can feel the adrenaline coming from the fans onto the field. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think it's artificial cheering? Like, you know, you're kind of led what to do. 
Well, yes and no. I mean, not any more than it is in the U.S. where they have hands clapping on the scoreboard. Uh -huh. No, this is more authentic than that. Uh, there are degrees of authenticity with the teams. Yeah, uh, when you're down by 10 runs in, in the 8th inning and ninth inning, and the fans are still putting out all the same amount of energy, you kind of start thinking maybe that energy is not necessarily as genuine as... Well, it's a different thing. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's a lot of the the, uh, the organized cheering is about organized cheering. Mm -hmm. It's not about the result. It's about it's about the uh, connection between the players and the fans and the team and the fans. And uh, so that the score is not really the point. Mm -hmm. it, it, that's the you know that will change that will mm -hmm. change the uh, sort of the uh, the vibe. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they're cheering until the end is part of the, is part of what they do. It's part of their compact with the team, mm -hmm. and it's also part of what is appealing is that the fans do stay engaged at least in something throughout the entire game, rather than leaving after the seventh inning. Is it also a cultural thing where Japanese people work very hard, have stressful lives? They're in the office, you know, twenty hours. Uh, sorry, eighty hours a week, and this is a. a from what people tell me in Korea, this is like a release for them. There's something to that, I think. I, uh, I think the other thing is that uh, that the 80 hours, the 80 hours of the overwork is is you know it's it's a role, it's a it's a role that people put on and they don't actually do it, but the going to the stadium gives them is a, is an organized and authorized way to be crazy. Uh -huh. You know, we have these in Japan. Is Japan is big on festivals? Uh, you know, every uh, every uh, shrine has it. Uh, every every shrine worth its salt. This is a good one. Uh, we'll have a, we'll have a festival where they'll be singing and dancing, and then people drinking drinking themselves silly. Uh, Hanami parties. There's a variety of excuses in Japan. That's like Cinco de Mayo, and baseball is one of them. People can come out and get blasted, and yep. everybody think, "Wow, what a great time we had at the ball game!" <laughs> yeah, it's a social event basically, and so the organized cheering is part of a big social event and social group that one has, um, and of course the various uh, Oendan um, cheering groups. Uh, they're rivals, and yet they're all working together, and in their own little social networking. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's what a lot of it is about. Um, some people will say more so than the game itself. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, they're tied to the team and its success, but it's not necessary. It's not, you know, it's a win or lose thing. It's let's go to the game and enjoy it, which yeah. is the, the positive point. It occurred to me recently that one of the things that the, the teams do is market, uh, the market loyalty. I think I might have talked about this on a recent podcast. They market loyalty. And it's part of that compact with the fans that we're going to be behind your guy, the guy that you're cheering for. We're going to be behind him 100%. Now, what this does is it makes it very, very hard to move players. Because as soon as you trade a player, you've instantly betrayed the fans. You haven't betrayed the player, you've betrayed the fans. And so, uh, you know... 
it, it makes it very difficult. I was talking with one team official, and he said, yes, uh, you know, we have a guy in the minors, we'd like to give him a job and trade the guy who has the job in front of him for a star player because this guy's not known, but he's as good a player, and the guy who is known, we could get a good player in return, but if we do that, the fans will kill us. Do they have no trade clauses in their contract? Uh, well, players could. Could have a no trade clause, but I don't think anybody does. Right, so it's, no trade clause in Japan seems almost redundant, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> it, it? It's not necessary because the odds of being traded, unless you really do something to upset the fans and ex- upset the parent company of the team, um, unless you really do something really bad, it's very unlikely that you're going to be traded. Um, yes, there are some trades that happen, and, are, and they generally are really big surprises to everybody, player included. But, um, you know, this is one of the aspects of Japanese baseball that I've always liked, is that I can get attached to a team, and I know the players, and the next year I still know the players. I was outside Michael, of the U.S. you would know the players if they were on, if they came from <laughs> any team in Japan or the U.S., you'd know yeah. the players were. Well, like... After I moved to Japan full-time, I went back to the States, and I went to Candlestick Park, and I didn't recognize half the players on the field. And it just didn't seem like the Giants were my team anymore, um, because a lot of the players that I really liked before I had come to Japan... You hadn't gone back for 20 years. Right. No, this was two years. This was just two years. And it seemed like the whole team had changed. Yeah. Um... And that is just something that I feel I have gives me more of a connection to my team, Yokohama Bay Stars, um, than <laughs> in the pl- U.S. That, that was not a plug. Not a plug. Has no not affiliation a sponsor. with them. Not yet. But, but willing to accept offers. Yes, willing to accept offers. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing that people don't really think about. MLB, revolving door. Uh-huh. Japan, no. Korea, not so much. I, you don't really hear of trade trades there either. Uh-huh. Well, the team, I know the Hawks this year are getting a lot of flack from their fans because basically yeah. instead of going out and signing new foreign players, mm-hmm. which the fans think is the way to go, and you know pick those people off the vine and mm-hmm. show how much smarter you are than everybody, they're basically poaching other teams' players yeah. this year. Uh, they've signed essentially six players that were with other NPV teams uh, last year. Lee Deho, one of them. Yeah, Lee Deho and uh, Kenichi uh, Tana- Nakata from Chunichi Dragons and uh, Shinya Tsuruoka from the Fighters and Dennis Sarfate from the Lions and... Jeez, uh, I'm running out of steam no, another here. foreigner from uh, Ordix, I think. Uh, he, well, he went to the base stars. Oh. Uh, there were four. Oh, Brian Wolf from Nippon oh, Ham. Okay. And uh, de- former Hawk uh, Jason Standridge from the Tigers. So they got six players from other teams, and their fans are rebelling. You know, this is not what we do. Mm-hmm. But, but for the Japanese guys, they have a. The Hawks have a very deep-seated strategy as, uh, of of uh, developing baseball, of being Kyushu's team, yeah. which is an enormous market. I mean, Kyushu is probably roughly uh, 12 or 13% of Japan's population. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and uh, 
capturing that behind one team. It's on, they're on television everywhere in Kyushu. They play games everywhere in Kyushu. The team is heavily Kyushu-oriented. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of their draft picks are from Kyushu originally. Um, a lot of the players that they're signing from other teams are going there originally from Kyushu, who were you know drafted by other teams earlier. So yeah, you can really see that uh, the Hawks are geared toward appealing to the market in which they're at, uh, much like Hokkaido is doing, or the Nippon Hemp Fighters are doing in Hokkaido. If the fighters but depended on players from Hokkaido, they'd be in last place every year. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, I want to talk about the, getting back to the loyalty in a second, but Lee Dae-ho going over to Fukuoka, is that strategic to try to maybe get some Koreans to come over from Busan? You've got that ferry got right the over ferry. there. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of a lot of Koreans can easily come over to the game for the day and head back. It is true, and it's a short flight. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, they have a lot of flights every day from Fukuoka. I believe they do. Uh, you could be. That would be a clever marketing move. I think that basically they looked and said, "Here's a guy who doesn't want to re-sign with Oryx, and we got money, and we're going to spend it." And, the, and he's a very good player. So yeah, it's a, it's a very good uh, deal all around. Now he's kind of a rarity because. You know, if you we've had so many big Korean stars in Japan, but if you look at the number of how many highly hyped hitters were successful in their first year here, the list is essentially Lee De Ho. Nobody else. Getting back to the loyalty thing, sure. We're talking about with uh, the fans getting really upset if players are traded and moved around in the league. Where in MLB, it's like okay, no big deal. We're, you know. You suck this year. Get out of here. Uh, what have you done for me lately type of mentality in the States where here you're saying from what I got, people, fans are more loyal. Is that indicative of Japanese culture, more loyalty opposed to American culture where it's what have you done for me lately? Perhaps, but I think it could change in a heartbeat. I think as soon as I think, well, uh, here's I guess the analogy is the introduction of free agency in Japan. Uh-huh. Uh it was when it was introduced, and I'm going to say it was 1990, the the winter of '94, somewhere around. winter of '93 for the '94 '94 season. One player filed for free agency. Mm-hmm. The next year it might have been one or two, and the next year after that it might have been two or three. Now it's seven or eight, pretty much yeah. regularly. Some year more, some years more. Uh, players, I think players thought that they would be outcasts if they filed. And the first guy who filed from free, for free agency already was an outcast, Hiromitsu Ochiai. Yeah, well, he was an outcast before he filed for free exactly. agency, so that wasn't... He engineered his own blockbuster trade to get out of Lotte to go uh-huh. to the Central League. He was the first free He was the first modern free agent. We have to stipulate that. There used to be a, a different form of free agency in Japan in the 60s. But uh, what happened was, I think players felt they would be ostracized if they did it, that the fans wouldn't forgive them, that their former teammates wouldn't forgive them. And what they really... Their new teammates wouldn't accept them. Well, that I wonder, but the, the thing is that uh, what they realized is that what, what you realize when you work in a Japanese company is that people will tell you how many paid holidays they don't take. But if you take yours... Or if you have a spe- you need special help and you know you have a sick family member or somebody died, you're grieving and you miss extra time at work, everybody says everybody is supportive of you. 
you know, don't follow the rules, be supportive. So there, we have this dichotomy between how Japan is supposed to be and the, how Japan really is, which is a lot more humane uh -huh. than the corporate uh, kind of a stainless steel exterior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the players realize that their former teammates will still be their former teammates. Those memories don't disappear. They're, they'll get cheered when they come to their, their old, well, probably Ochai didn't get cheered a lot at, <laughs> but at, at Nagoya Stadium, but get, they'll get cheered when they come back because players are still remember what they did for them. Or the fans still remember. Their teammates will greet them. And it's, you know, they cut they cut aside that veneer of uh, where it's all about, 100% Japan's all about loyalty and nothing about, nothing about what's best for you. But their team, they realize their teammates understand. And that's the whole WA thing, too. Sure. You gotta have WA. Which was written in the late 80s, I believe. The first one was written in the, I think, the mid '80s. Mid '80s, and so free agency hadn't come up yet. Correct. And maybe, I don't. Did he add a chapter after free agency? Well, he had a whole new. Um, he he rewrote the entire okay, I book. Haven't, I haven't seen uh -huh. that one yet. In, uh, yeah. That was the meaning of Ichiro. And that's yeah, the meaning of Ichiro meaning was of Ichiro. kind okay. of the follow-up to by, that by Robert Whiting, the original Godfather. The Don. Yeah. Oh, Bob <laughs> is still the godfather. Okay, David. yeah. But you guys are like, you know, the lieutenants, the capos. <laughs> the capos. The you know. And then wow. underneath you've got your underbosses, Jason Cosby <laughs> and Jason, John Gibson. Jason's my inspiration. Don't you don't, don't go with that. Don't, he's no underboss. But uh, he, no, he's John's great. John's the host. And you why, said why, do you, why do you mention that he's your inspiration? Uh, Jason's very hardworking and yeah. he's always... Uh, He's always moving in new directions. He's he's the first on a lot of things, and uh, whereas I was here first, I mean, of all of all the people who are currently writing, except Bob and, and Wayne Grassick, who, who deserves a shout out. Uh, well, I was here writing before a lot of people. I, I kind of I got got into doing the things that I like to do, and I just kind of stuck at that. Whereas Jason came at a sort of a different age, a, different, a more electronically savvy, and, and was you know getting into Twitter a lot more and getting out and using the media a lot more to uh, take advantage of a situation. I really was saying I, I wish they had Twitter back in the 90s. You know, I might have sold more than you know a thousand books in four years. <laughs> well, I tell you, I wouldn't retweet anything until you guys said that Tanaka was going to be get posted on Christmas Day. Well, that wasn't my doing. I, I, was, uh, I was aware of what, the Kyo, what Kyoto was reporting. Okay. I didn't have any sources. It was a Kyoto source. I just don't want to say it was. Okay. But they deserve the credit. All right. Because they got a guy in Sendai basically sending flashes, and I was waiting to write a story like uh, that. Ah, okay. So you had a guy up there. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, but still, I don't swear by anything until you and Jason mention it. Then it becomes real for me. It becomes ah, a reality. Well, okay. <laughs> if we're, if well, uh, Jason, Jason's, uh, Jason's, pre Jason's pretty, uh, Jason's pretty careful. He, he he covers a lot of wide stuff. I'm probably more careful because I work for Kyoto, and Kyoto tends to be on the stodgy side. Uh -huh. uh, they don't. We don't report. Uh -huh. We very rarely report rumors unless uh -huh. the guy tells us himself. So if Kyoto, when Kyoto. Kyoto writes it, it's because the team official actually said it. This year has been probably one of the most memorable years, oh, and yeah. I've only been following Japanese baseball 
closely for a couple of years and loosely for 10 years, but you had unbelievable things happen this sure. year. The home run record broken by Coco Ballantine, Tanaka going 24-0, and hadn't, hadn't lost a start since last August. Uh, is this, for you guys, you guys the dinosaurs here now, <laughs> the most memorable year in Japanese baseball history? Jim, we'll start with you first. Well, that's impossible to ask because I don't remember a lot of years in Japanese <laughs> baseball history. For you, since, uh, you, since you started covering Well, it. since I, I would, yeah, my, 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 I think the most memorable season in Japanese baseball history was 1975, but that's a, that's a, that's a plug. The uh, carp won it that year. The carp won it that year, and Helped, it was a th- it was uh, rebuild a th- that city. It was a thirty years after the atomic uh-huh. bomb, and it was a th- it was a dead heat. Uh, three three teams into the final month of the season, it was a dead heat down to the final two days. The carp won their first pennant, and the Hunky Braves won their first Japan series. That was probably the best, but there are there are a number of other candidates. But as far as individual accomplishments. And great finishes. Uh, this is unbeatable. Uh, this is it's hard to hard to match a home run record in, in one league and a pitching record in another league. And the, the first time uh, the the expansion franchise dethroning Japan's first franchise in the Japan series. Yeah, it doesn't get much Yankees better than of that. Japan. Absolutely, being and, being beaten by the Bad News Bears. <laughs> and Rakuten helping to rebuild that area sure, as well. Sure. What, what will stick out in your mind about Valentin's run and, and Tanaka's record this year? What, what are the defining moments? We'll start with you, Jim, and then I want to get your impression, uh-huh. too, of this. The defining moments uh, for Valentin was being at the park when he hit number 56 and hearing the Tigers fans going, going nuts about it and cheering him was something that I found very, uh, yeah, yeah, confusing (laughs) indeed. It was almost, yeah, it was almost like there, it was like the invasion of the body snatchers. (laughs) These can't be Tigers fans. Well, to be honest, they were all cheering, but uh, that was one, and... Now, if he was a giant, would they be cheering? That's, that's another question. I don't know, Uh, but... As far as Tanaka, I, I'm, I think Tanaka. I think it was the the, the postseason and, and you know losing the game, lose finally losing losing a game. Pitched it. I think it was a one thing loss and uh, losing that game and then bouncing back and the Eagles bouncing back and just going back to business and saying, okay, we lost this game. Everybody, everybody, including John Gibson, says we're out of this series now that Tanaka's shot his bolt, but. Uh, they came back and bounced back. So I would say the Eagles, I think, are, are the more memorable specifically. Uh, not and with the Eagles featuring Masahiro Tanaka. Michael. Uh, for me, I'd like to go back a little bit earlier in the season to when uh, Alex Ramirez hit his 2000th uh, hit here in Japan, and it was a home run at the very same Jingo Kyujo as Valentin. Uh, right yeah, just about the same place, too, as Valentin hit his home run. Um, and again, there, you know, he was a base star, but the entire stadium stood up and. And gave him a standing ovation. You know, and this happens repeatedly in Japan. You know, 
the the home team, yes, they're cheering for their team, but they are also cheering for individuals who uh, do something, you know, record-breaking, record-setting the first time. Uh, the fans are fans of baseball as much as they are fans for their team. And so, you know, yes, the Tigers cheering for Valentin's home run. It's surprising given what uh, we kind of understand as being Hanshin fandom. But at the same time, it's not surprising because so many fans do this even when the opposition does something groundbreaking. Um, and it's repeated. And as for, you know, what year is the most memorable? Memorable. The most memorable season is always the season that just ended. Sure. Well put. <laughs> yeah, it's because, we, as Michael said, when we get older, one of the things that goes is the memory. Yeah. So the most memorable season is the question you just asked me. What was it? Uh, you know, I, I would add that the, the, with the Ramirez, there is, the, of course, the asterisk that he played seven years and was a very popular player yes, for the Swallows. he was with the Swallows. So a lot of the fans, a lot of the Swallows fans, were still Ramirez fans. Oh, yeah. They still were dedicated to him, no matter, even though he went to the enemy, the Giants, just down the tracks, or came to Yokohama, uh, the fans still cheered Ramirez, no matter where he was, and he is just such a great guy. I'm, is he joining the Lions no, next year? Uh, I've nope. heard talk of it. No, but. that was talk, and <laughs> right now there is, I have not heard anything. Man. Is he playing winter ball? No, he's uh, he's uh, taking care of business here in Tokyo. Okay, okay. Uh, but I'm I'm still hoping that he does get a, a contract with a Pacific League team because uh, he can still DH uh, and he is just such a great guy. He's got the restaurant, that's right. He has yeah. the uh, yeah. Chan Cafe in Aoyama, which is uh, it's not as hard to get to as it seems. <laughs> and food's great. His wife runs it. And uh, if you go there, you can definitely see Ramichan because he's there a lot. <laughs> <laughs> 2009 WBC in LA. I was. Semifinals, USA, was. Japan. Was. Were you sitting in left field? Nope. Okay. I was sitting, uh, I was not reporting because yes, uh, ESPN cut all their uh, part, their uh, uh, freelancers. And uh, Yomiuri wasn't paying anybody to go anywhere. And so I was there and I was sitting, um, USA game, I was sitting on the first base and over the second deck. Okay, with I thought wife, I saw you in wife and field. some friends. Well, wasn't you? Well, I have a few doubles. But um, <laughs> well, this we guy was talk about him. dressed in a long Japanese robe. No, that wasn't me. Okay, wasn't you? I was wearing a Japan. I was wearing a uh, a Japan team shirt and a Nippon Ham Fighters cap. Okay, I've seen that picture of you. Yeah, that's somewhere. on my Twitter feed. Yep. Until I replaced it with Santa Claus the other okay. day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well. You guys have uh, mentioned you've seen a lot. You've been here since the early 90s. And, Michael, uh, I think you've been here almost just as long. Jim, do you have one war story that, that uh, stands out, an interview, an incident that you covered? Uh, by the way, I really love the fact that you and John get out there and interview players uh, in English every podcast. It really brings the sport more to life and personable for me. Well, to be, you know, I have to say about the podcast, that's really John's baby. Um, 
John and John and Michael do more work on the podcast than I do. <laughs> Michael, are you uploaded? I right? uploaded and, and you your technical side. Yeah, engineers it, right? Yeah. Do you edit? Uh, no, I don't edit. Uh, that's all John's work. All John's. Okay. Uh, Michael and I did a podcast once, although it took uh, it took several cuts and several uh, effort. But yeah, uh, the uh, the sound wasn't quite right. Uh, we needed to go over it one time to uh, practice, and uh, so the sound quality wasn't quite there. There were there were some issues. So, uh, but basically, John does uh, he does about eighty percent of the work on that. He's, it's sort of like it's John Gibson's Japan Baseball Weekly podcast. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the weekly, I'm the weekly guest star. The Tonight Show with Johnny, uh, Johnny yeah, I Gibson. Was, yeah, uh, yeah, I was the uh, Ed, Ed, McMahon. Ed McMahon. I'm Ed McMahon. Well, John, thank you for doing that. Uh, we do uh, sometimes not – you're like my big brother that beats me up all the time, but I still love you. And thank you for the podcast. The big brother. Stay away. Stay out of reach, baby. <laughs> Wish you could be here today. Uh, so, a war story. A war story. Gosh. Uh, a war story. Too many. I guess the uh, the best is a Kazuhiro Sasaki. I guess is the the, the essence of Japanese baseball was uh, Kazuhiro Sasaki. This is the uh, 1998. He was the MVP of the Central League, and he was the uh, the big star, 1999, he's hurt. Basically, they, they just worked him what was left of his arm to death, and he was hurt uh, early in the 1999 season, and he came back just for the All-Star game which and had to pitch in the All-Star games because, and I, I asked him before that, he says, is it in your best interest to pitch? Is it the best? No, but people ask him, I'm going to go, because he's, he's kind of one of these tough guys. And... Uh, Besides, in the future, my future as a television uh, personality, I won't need my arm. He didn't say that. <laughs> he might have been thinking. Or it. managing. Well, that gets, she's multi-talented. Okay, so anyway, uh, at the end, towards the end of that season, he's in Yokosuka at the farm team, at the farm uh, facility, practicing. And they're going to bring him up for one last game at the end of the season. And is he up for it? No, I'm still waiting. You know, my arm's not quite right yet. And it wasn't quite right. But rest over the winter. He's was a big good. guy, by the way. He is a big guy. We're about yeah. the same size. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, I anyway, after his practice, the reporters all went out to his car, and this is uh, this is September, and he says, uh, "I said, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people in the states think you're you're one of the best pitchers in Japan, and you'd be one of the most marketable pitchers in the major leagues as a as a free agent next year." And he said. Uh, well, I have not given uh, going to America any thought. I really can't be concerned about what people think about me. I says, well, you're going to be a free agent. You haven't considered whether or not you're going to become a free agent. He says, no, my arm is my only concern right now. Pitching, finishing my this season strong for the Bay Stars is the only thing I'm interested. Major leagues, I have not given it a thought. Okay, I went to America. And you spoke in Japanese to him? This was in a, Japanese. Without a translator? Yeah, this was in Japanese. Okay. This was a group of how, reporters. How was his attitude, a matter of fact, or was he a little taken back by this? No, he was just, uh, I would say he was dismissal. He okay. was dismissive. Okay, uh, I go to America the next day. I come back, I get a stack of newspapers. The day, uh, the day, the next day's paper, I'm not going to the majors. I'm not going to be a free agent. I'm not going to talk about it. Two days later, I'm declaring for free agency. Three days later, I'm going to the majors. I already know where I want to go. 
Wow. So it went from I have no idea. Well, you lit a spark under. Uh, you know, maybe a little. You lit a little spark there. I don't think. If, if what? <laughs> yeah, but that was that was just. Uh, That's that was, just the that standard was... feed that you give to the press in order to, you know, show solidarity with the team and the fans. And you can't talk about what your future is going to be until after the season is over. Once the season is over, you can start saying, "Yes, I want to go." And so it's just, you know, he was just basically giving you the standard. Sure. I mean, I've better stories than that, but that's the one that, that comes to mind. I mean, I've had, uh, I guess, uh, the better one of, of people lying is Hiromitsu Ochii as a manager, uh, basically telling everybody tomorrow's pitcher is going to be, uh, is gonna be uh, Kenshin Kawakami and then pulling uh, uh, Daisuke, Daisuke Yamai? Is it Daisuke? Yeah. Daisuke Yamai out of his pocket and saying, no, no, I always planned for Yamai. I was just, I was just telling you a lie yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> What's your proudest moment as a journalist here? Wow. I guess that I guess I'm I'm proud of the fact that no baseball players have attacked me with a bat yet. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think uh, Daisuke Motoki uh, wanted to a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's a humble dancer. <laughs> uh, he also wanted to, he, he tried to get one of his teammates to throw a baseball at me. <laughs> he didn't like, he was, he was holding a grudge about the one time when uh, the Giants, he had just earned his spot as the Giants' regular third baseman uh, about 1998. And in 2000, the Giants signed Akira Eto from the Hiroshima Carp as a free agent. And I said, Well, what are you going to do this season? Now they signed Eto, what's your plan? He said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and after that, he just he just smirked at me and tried to get to uh, one of his teammates while they were playing catch. <laughs> he was playing catch next to me, next to me, and he's trying to get one of his teammates to. Aren't you? you saw it? You, you, yeah, I can see it. Okay. Like, eh. <laughs> I don't remember who the teammate. It might have been Kiyohara. They were they were tight. <laughs> And even Kyohara wouldn't throw a baseball at me, so I forget I forget some of the bad things I've said about him in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Michael, you have a war story or something that sticks out? Uh, in, in all, you know, something from the last couple of decades you've been here. My main uh, battles have mainly been against the North American press and their complete lack of understanding and lack of knowledge and lack of ability to fact check anything here in Japan. Like uh, um, Naka has grown in the bullpen or coming in really <laughs> several times this season. Yeah, he's, on numerous occasions yeah, numerous in his occasions. career he's come out on one day or no day's rest after a start to pitch out of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit <laughs> odd. Oh, yeah, he did that in the Japan series and... Never. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, the uh, no, it goes back a lot longer. Um, when Ichiro first went to the U.S., a reporter wrote that um, 
Ogi Kantoku, the manager of Oryx when Ichido came up, was responsible for keeping him at the far, on the farm team <laughs> for many years despite how well he was doing. And that was just plain false. It was the previous manager. Um, who was it? Uh, it was uh, Doi. Doi, and yes, it, Doi. And his first name escapes me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Doi Kantoku, who was who was the instigator, who was the person who, for some reason, just despised Ichido's natural talent and didn't feel that he worked hard enough to get to to the top team. And it was when Ogi took over as manager that the first thing he did was promote Ichido, and Ichido broke the. 200 hit barrier in Japan that same year. Ogi was the person who was responsible for Ichido's breakout, and this person, despite me pointing out that he is wrong, um, and and he basically attacked Ogi throughout this article. Uh, I pointed him to references in Japanese because there are only references in Japanese at the time. But I translated them for the, for him completely. Asked him to go ahead and check with other Japanese that this is correct. He absolutely refused to write a retraction. He said, "I am a real reporter. You don't know what you're talking about. You're just some guy on." The, on the internet. Was this from The Onion? <laughs> no, he wrote for some uh, northeastern newspaper okay. in the U.S. And just before the first uh, um, WBC, I was interviewed um, to talk about the Japanese uh, team. And I said, yeah, there's... Uh, you know, Japan has got a lot of really great pitchers, and yeah, I think we have a chance of doing really well. Um, and the guys, and and I mentioned um, uh, Shunsuke, um, yeah, Shunsuke Watanabe, who's a submariner, and says, you know, you know, major leaguers may not have seen very many submarine pitches. Um, he might, he might, might not be effective. Um, and the uh, American reporter, he just goffed and said, "You think he's going to be able to strike out Jeter?" And so, and so, my reply was, "Who's Jeter?" <laughs> just, just to jeer him. Um, but my comment in the article that was eventually published was, "Oh yeah, and there's there's this weird guy who thinks Japan actually has a chance of winning <laughs> at the at the very end of the article." That's that's what he wrote. And then this was before 09. Uh, oh, this was the first WBC. 06, 06. And who won that WBC? May I ask? Um, <laughs> so, despite a man, despite its manager, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I love Sadaharu, but boy, don't put him near any big games. <laughs> well, he, he can get away with whatever he wants, right? Well, I, I guess, I guess I have, I guess thinking about back about that, I think I'll, I'll go back to the major leagues, the the major league uh, Japan. I'd add that with uh, Akira Ogi, it's not just it wasn't just Ichiro. The two. The first two big Japanese Major League stars both got their pro starts under Akiroogi. Uh, Hideo Nomo was a guy that a lot of Japanese teams were saying, well, if we draft you, we're going to change your motion. 
Ogie drafted him in, and won him in the draft lottery and said, no, you just keep doing what you're doing. Ichiro, the same thing. He hit three, 350 as an 18-year-old in a very tough hitter's league in the Western League as an, in the minors. And then he hit 385 the next year. And his he hit his first pro home runoff of Nomo in uh, 1993. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did it in Nagano. And his manager, Doy, sent him back to the farm team because you're not a home run hitter. Stop thinking that you're a good hitter because you can't hit the way you're hitting. <laughs> so, uh, And he's, but, re- he's actually received a lot of criticism for not trying to hit home runs. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. That is fair enough. It, yeah. I wonder if it stems back to that. Oh, I doubt that because he hit, he was, yeah. he nearly won a home run title yeah. and the he almost won a triple after, crown. Yeah. The year after he hit 200 home runs or 200 hits, he, he then decided to change and be a power hitter. Yeah. Um, his batting average suffered a little bit because of it, but he did show that he could hit for power as well. Yeah, he finished one short on the home run crown. Uh-huh. So uh, I think he won the RBI and the, and the batting average. They had seven straight batting championships in Japan. I guess the, uh, the, the stories about about uh, Japanese players and uh, major leagues, the first one is Mike Hargrove on Ichiro when he was, at, when Mike Hargrove was managing the uh, Nichibei he was managing the American All-Star Touring Team to Japan okay. on, on a series in which Ichiro was the big star. He said was that, that with Griffey playing on that? Could team? have been. He yeah. said, this guy's got a future. As This guy could definitely play in the major leagues. I think a lot of teams could use him as a fourth outfielder. A fourth outfielder. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say. Well, uh, okay, that was one. When uh, Ichiro was posted, the major league all-stars were playing. The day Ichiro was posted, the major league all-stars were playing in Kyushu. And the story was... What are the Seattle Mariners thinking? Paying, I think they paid seventeen million or thirteen million dollars for the negotiating fee to a guy who's never played in the major leagues. Nobody knows who this guy is. What a joke! He doesn't deserve it. He's not a real major leaguer. They were going nuts that any team would pay money for a player who'd never played in the big leagues. And uh, okay, now move that, move that to that. In fact, that same year, Ichiro did not play in that series because he had a broken arm. He got hit by a pitch at the end of the season. And uh, I think Kazuo Matsui was the star of that series. And he made a catch in the outfield where he never played. People asked him how if he was had won any gold gloves in the outfield. Anyway, the Japanese team was fairly... This is the, the uh, Bobby uh, Barry Bonds. One of the, he used to come here regularly because he had a lot of endorsements here in Japan. And somebody asked him after the last game if he thought the Japan... The, a Japanese all-star team could be competitive in the major leagues. The best players in Japan, could they be competitive in the, ma- in the, in the NL West? And he said, are you kidding? He said, oh, get out of here. It's a joke. And I asked him if he, said, if, uh, he still thought that the year after Ichiro uh, was, was the MVP of the American League right, in his right, first right. year. And the year after that, they're on the team. And he said, I would never, ever say anything like that. <laughs> Selective memory. Yeah. Well, Barry's got, a, he's got another one about uh, He's got several of those. Thanks to my buddy John Shea at the Chronicle. Is Japan, uh, Japanese baseball fans wanting that, that series to uh, reconvene? 
or at least uh, have, you know, and I noticed like the MLB teams aren't coming over here anymore to begin the season. Like they're going to go to Australia this year, uh, Sydney, you'll have Dodgers and Diamondbacks. And for many years you had teams opening up their uh, season here. Well, we're going to see that. I think we're, we're still gonna, it's probably going to be every four years we'll every see a team. Every four years. There is, a, there is still a big demand for the Major League teams coming to Japan. Uh, there is not enough demand for Major League All-Star teams coming to Japan because the Japanese teams get the Major League opening games here. Right. They get to see real games, and they get every day they get to watch Japanese players play in the Live. majors on TV. Mm-hmm. So uh, they get their fill. They get their fill. Uh, but I, I think no, the, the, they're trying to get the sponsors want to have. There are sponsors, especially Yomiuri, still wants to bring the the All Star teams here to play against Japanese All Stars. But the players' union doesn't want to, is not playing ball right now. Mm. The players' union is is the largest uh, difficulty. They're a uh, the Japanese players' union is like a like a zombie. It's da- it's like dangerous, but it doesn't have any direction. It's just it's just it's just it's just it's moving, so we know it's still there, but we're not exactly certain what it's up to, and doubt that it has any uh, any goals or any. Well, they've got goals. They've been trying to get a lot of reform done with NPB since their successful 2004 strike, but they, the owners just won't listen to them. The owners don't even respond to their questions. So, yes, they've got a, a um, union. They've expressed their grievances. They've proposed different uh, things to the owners, but the owners feel that the players' union just doesn't have enough clout or enough anything to even bother an answer to a lot of these things, yeah. which I kind of feel bad for the players. I do, but I also think that like a lot of the issues the players' union are taking up are... Well, basically, they, 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 the players' union in Japan has attacked the issues of what can we win? Uh, and unfortunately, and, and the courts in Japan are very, very favorable to big business. And, for example, the players do not own their image rights. The teams own their image rights. And they had a court case, and the players lost. And the NPB's argument was, we've done such a good job marketing your rights so far. Why do, why do you want to change? So players can't do individual endorsements here? Well, no, they, of course they can, but the team gets a share. Oh, where in MLB they do not get a share. Well, I depend. No, I think MLB gets a. If they're wearing, the, uniform, they're wearing the uniform, right? Gets yeah, yeah, here it's another. Like issue. in Korea, Ryu has come back for the winter. He's done a lot of endorsements, and he'll wear like a ninety-nine on his hat instead right. of the Dodgers logo. If he has, if he has a MLB stuff, which right. then MLB, then uh, my buddy Jim Smalls. Uh, organizations cashing in. Uh-huh. It's funny you guys say that the uh, players' union is weak here because some people have said, "Wow, they seem pretty strong. They got the their way with the posting." Nah, hey, all they did is Not say really. what. All they did is agree to what. No, the uh, the players' union dithered on the first posting. Uh-huh. Uh, people said it was the owners, the top three, it was the, top, be two. Top two. Split top the top two, the top two. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the owners apparently took their time, but I, I don't. I'm not. It's hard always to distinguish what's going on with NPB because the connection with the the discussion between 
uh, NPV doesn't really want to talk to the union. They hesitate and they hesitate and they hesitate and they don't get things done. And then uh, the 2006 WBC was the players didn't know that NPV didn't even know it had signed on. They thought they had signed on for the purpose of signing on in the future. There was a a massive miscommunication with the players, uh, and they didn't tell the players about it. And so when they asked the players, well, well, we heard about this yesterday. You want us to vote today? So NPB has a phobia to deal with the players. Are you guys surprised that uh, this first test case of the posting, uh, Tanaka was posted, and and that, uh, did you, I mean, did you you think it was going to look like Basically, it was going to look bad. The posting wasn't going to go through because it was only $20 million, and this whole new posting agreement would blow up. Well, I thought that Japan had the better hand in any negotiations because the major league teams really wanted Tanaka. And that Japan, the Japanese didn't even bother negotiating, as, as far as I could tell, really surprised me um and all these really weird stories coming out of north america um like uh the japanese teams all want to get rid of tanaka want tanaka out so they don't have to bat against him that's nonsense (laughs) yeah wow no, I, I, I was surprised that they couldn't be... No, basically, NPB took whatever MLB and said, thank you very much. I, I, if they had said, here, we want, you to, we want you to swallow this stuff. It tastes horrible, but it'll be good for you. Oh, thank you. Let's try that. Uh, there was no... There was Well, first of all, N- NPB is largely let, pushed around to a great degree by the one team that refused, that will never that post a player, post the Giants. Yomiuri Giants. Right. Okay. Now, so that's the only reason why it would make sense at all. But uh, another thing is it's basically a few teams that look to benefit. Uh, in, in general, the new system is good for 90, 95% of the players. Uh, it's bad. It's still bad for 95% of the teams because it cuts that extra layer of fat out of the bargaining. Mm-hmm. In that, in the sense that, not that I don't think MLB teams were ever overpaying. You know, they were paying market fees for for these players. They were paying what they considered, and it was a fair market. But when you know what the other side will accept, you no longer have to pay more than the necessary amount, right. which is an element of the, the regular market. So, so who wins? Who won in the posting, in your opinion? Uh, the players. I think the players, uh, the players won, and the small market major league teams, because they got two things. One, they got a massive amount of money that is now luxury taxed, uh-huh. or they get the best Japanese talent that they cannot afford staying in Japan. Uh-huh. So for them, it works. It cuts both either way. The guys stay in Japan because of the tax on the teams, or they get well, and that, that's going to happen because if this position stays in place, teams, Japanese teams, are going to come up with ways to get around this. Which was the surprise to me that the Eagles didn't find it, didn't uh, figure a more creative way out of this solution in uh, two weeks. Yeah. Well, it came down to them seeing that he really wanted to go. Yeah. At least that's what they said. Well, they could have. Uh, there's a number of things they could have done, but it was such short time. I think I would, I would be surprised, but not 
not knocked back if within, you know, after uh, March 1st, if NPB didn't say, well, this posting system isn't doing any good for us, we're going to, we're going to end it. Because they have, a, you know, they've got basically until uh, it was agreed in, in December. They've got basically until November, October, September. They've got until the middle of the beginning of September to decide whether they want to cancel it. They can, the, the agreement, yeah, 180 days three, before three I years. It was a three no, year. the agree, No, right. The current agreement is going to go for three okay. years, but it can be can't. It can be, uh, it can be uh, thrown out 100 uh, by either side. Oh, really? 180, 180 days prior to the anniversary. Oh, so like two years so, and change from. No, well, I think no, I think from September. I think if by 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 September, if NPB says we don't want this agreement anymore, they can just throw it out the window. And there won't be any posting agreement then. So six months from the time it expires, they can throw it out. Well, since Tanaka is the only guy who's likely to go this year, it's <laughs> yeah. probably this. This may be the only case uh-huh. it's ever used. Wow. Okay, that's in which case something that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So I by unless I'm mis- no, I may be misreading the rule, but it said either side so- either side can back out of the agreement on a hundred on the 180, 180 days prior to the anniversary, which would be every year, not necessarily the third anniversary. I don't think. Interesting. So that so it's an out clause. Yeah. Well, I mean, they both have a. They can. But if they want to keep a posting system, they can't replace it with another one. Um, Both of you guys, uh, what what ways have you seen the coverage of Japanese baseball change? You know, from a foreigner standpoint, and both in Japan, we talked about Twitter before. Sure. Okay, that's become huge. But what other things could you think of that have changed? Uh, in terms of coverage since you guys both landed here? Uh, well, in Japan, I guess the, the new media, cable cable and the Internet, has wiped Japanese uh, baseball off no, of no terrestrial... No commercials, I might add. I watch these games from here, uh, Japanese games. I don't see any commercials. They roll. They, they sh- you know, keep it rolling right throughout the, the middle of the you innings. Watch NHK, you watch NHK. Is it NHK? Okay. NHK That's the is... the national broadcaster doesn't yeah. have any commercials. Yeah. Except for their own... Why? Yeah. Uh... Well, it's uh, it's public. Yeah, it's public broadcasting okay. without the, without the without the sponsorship drives. The um, so it's state-run television. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. <laughs> like, like so much more uh, Korean, North Korean. <laughs> right. Like, should be. I live in Korea, so uh, pardon me. Standing in front of a statue or something. But the, NHK uh, is a great thing. I I really like NHK. It doesn't sound like state-run television. What well, sounds? It's state. Uh, um, it's state funded. funded. State funded. Yeah. <laughs> but they have. But uh, yes, the new media has wiped. Uh, Japanese baseball off of terrestrial TV for the most part. Used to be every Giants game was on TV, and then and there used to be other games on TV. You used to be able to, back in the 80s, you could uh, turn on the TV in the evening, and if you were in Okayama, they might have a Kintetsu Buffalo Seibu yeah, Lions game on TV. Kanagawa TV had, uh, had Yokohama. They don't um, um, You know, I haven't looked. Long time because I have cable (laughs) where they play the entire game instead of just uh, from the third to eighth inning, um, which was another big complaint about terrestrial TV fans. Um, So once you have once cable is taken over, yeah, um, the whole need for terrestrial broadcasts has basically been eliminated. Well, they. uh... 
some teams have, t- have, you know, I know the SoftBank Hawks are doing a great job with getting, you know, keeping their team on terrestrial TV everywhere they can. In most of the major markets, there's a channel that will show the Hawks home games. So whether you're in Kansai or Tokyo or in Kyushu, of course, everybody has got all the Hawks home games on TV because they charge. Uh, when the Hawks went to Fukuoka, they were essentially newcomers, and they were not really wanted. Uh, they were an Osaka team, and uh, the fans, they would get more fans for, yeah. in 1990, they'd get more fans to see the former Fukuoka team, who hadn't been there for 12 years, come and play the new Fukuoka team. And so they, they, they did a wonder, they caught on a wonderful idea, which is if we offer our broadcasts for, I think they were charging $100 or a 1000 maybe $100 a broadcast anywhere on terrestrial TV. In, they got Kyushu? their games, yeah. Well, they were blanketing Kyushu where there was uh-huh. a demand. And everybody was showing Hawks games. And what happened was, and the Hawks also had another campaign, which was giving away the unsold tickets. Uh, if they had, if they had a blocks of unsold tickets, they'd and give them to the schools. this was at the dome, at the yeah, dome, at the Yahoo Dome. And what happens now is, there aren't any, there aren't unsold tickets. There aren't big blocks of unsold tickets because of that massive television presence showing the stadium full. The stadium is now almost always full. They've done, they've done a wonderful job of marketing the team. Uh, the fighters have done a wonderful job of marketing their team. And uh, so those things, good things are happening. And if it, uh, with the exception of the earthquake, which took a, had a kind of a delayed effect on attendance, uh, Japanese attendance, despite the economy going the opposite of direction, Japanese attendance has gradually been increasing year to year. And what, what, what does it cost to get into the ballpark here? Uh, 3,000 yen through, well, 1,000 for standing only seats. Okay, about 10 U.S. dollars. Yeah. Um, 3,000 yen for uh, outfield seats in a lot of the parks, not necessarily all of them. Um, and upwards to 13,000 for field seats at a lot of the stadiums. Um, 10,000 for... Uh, what is it? Picnic seats, um, and a lot of times that's split between three or four people. Um, so, uh, yeah, the the prices are still fairly reasonable. Um, it you know ten thousand yen translates to a hundred dollars, but that's really not much money here in Japan. So. Um, you can't really look at it in terms of dollars, but to, for the domestic entertainment uh, budget, it's it's really a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball games are. Yeah, the, the food is not is not as uh, overpriced as it is in the U.S. Ten dollars, twelve dollars for a beer. Nobody, and also nobody's going to balk if you bring in a if you bring in a box lunch or right. something. That's like in Korea too. You could bring. Everything in but soju. You can, <laughs> they don't want soju. They want to sell soju in the stadium. Okay, wow. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what a shame. At, at Tokyo Dome, I usually stop by Subway Sandwiches and bring that in. Sure. Um, so that, there's that. Uh, the other thing is, that I think the other dynamic of, of Japanese baseball, or part of the business dynamic, is that 
there are the number of teams who own their own stadium is, uh, by my count, three. Uh-huh. Which is the Hunching Tigers, the Cebu Lions, <laughs> God love them, uh-huh. and uh, the uh, Hawks now have re- have, re- have bought back their stadium. Yeah. So basically, uh, then a cu- the Bay Stars and the Marines, uh, the Bay Stars have, and I be- I don't know if the Marines still have the operating license and operating rights. So they they basically paid a large sum of money for the stadium, and they get to keep all the revenues. Uh, but most of these teams pay a, a chunk of every ticket sold to whatever city organization or whatever company owns their stadium. Even yeah. the Giants don't own their stadium. They're, In Korea, they're... the governments own the stadium. Okay. The cities. Yeah. Well, the fight... well, Oklahoma, it is the municipality that right. owns the stadium. But the base stores own the, have an operating license, so right. they get to keep the concessions. But I believe that the city gets billboard revenues and things like that although Yokohama has now put on the ribbon around the outfield and the Bay Stars get revenue from that and some of the other initiatives that they've been doing so it's it's gradually getting better than it was a few years ago but it's still not quite anything like what the major league teams get no Um, no, there's no uh, free stadium deals in Japan uh There's no uh, tax breaks. There's no nothing. So the Japanese teams are really handicapped in that you know in dealing with contracts because uh, most of them are looking at uh, rent. You know they're looking at rent in millions of dollars a year. The rent is outrageous. Like it would certainly, I, I think if if the teams had the cash and the capital available to them, it would behoove all of them to leave their stadiums and build new ones because they probably could build a stadium with the rent they pay in five or six years. Actually, I was wondering, what happens with the third-party stadiums? Are the teams paid to go there? Do they get revenue? What's, do you it's know? Probably, what's it's probably independent contracts between the host team and the... That's that's just something I've been curious about. Yeah, I, I don't know. You, I, I, I can, you know, we can ask people about that. Mm-hmm. I, am, I don't know. Well, Jim's got to go back to work soon. Okay. About fifteen minutes. Back to work. Back I gotta, to. I got to start. Start work. <laughs> going to Kyoto. Walk all the way over there. <laughs> so one last thing before we go. Uh, living in Korea, uh, they, in terms of baseball and national baseball, there's nothing more that they want than to beat Japan. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> could you talk about that rivalry a little bit? And do the Japanese care as much about beating Korea? Where, I mean, historically, Japan occupied Korea. Uh, the war ended and Korea be- was set free pretty much from occupation. There are some people in Korea that are still angry about that and don't think the score will ever be settled until they beat Japan in a war. Yeah. And the war is now baseball. Fancy that. <laughs> no, I think I think Japan uh, Japan pretty much doesn't see I think uh, although I think thanks to the WBC I think Japan sees and, and the international games in other sports, soccer and baseball and volleyball. Uh, yeah, Japan Korea is pretty. That's a pretty, pretty tough rivalry and really a good one. And it's something that, to be honest, what they really need is every year, every year to have Japan Korea play with all their major leaguers, uh-huh. you know, and go at it. You know, 
couple of games, a couple of games. Well, you have the Asia series that's where, that's, but I don't think they met this year. No, they were in. That's nothing. That's yeah. clubs. You need, you want the national teams, Japan and Korea. So, yeah. Uh, the There's first a chance next year at the Asia games. No, because the major leaguers won't come. Not right. for, no, no, they want to see the full thing. They want maybe to see, the Olympics in 2020. No, again, again we'll no major guys. leaguers. Yeah, no, never happens. So uh, I can't. You never say never, but uh, so the WBC is the brings, WBC is the best, yeah. and uh, but yeah, the way the way as heated as Japan Korea games are in in uh, soccer, uh, it's it's the best. It's the best rivalry there is. As far as does Japan care. Not until the game starts. Right. <laughs> Once the game starts, it's part. You know, it's game on. But until that, it's like, yeah, Korea. Yeah. You know, they 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 really love us. Yeah, I think most of the young people don't really uh, know or care much about young Japanese people. Yeah, young yeah. Japanese don't really see it. See Korea as a former rival or. Um, you know anybody to be despised or anything a lot of japanese are getting into k-pop and um you know korean series uh, television series are being broadcast in japan i know a lot of housewives watch uh, <laughs> the korean series and and sonsan and and uh, so a lot of korean culture is coming to japan a lot of japanese are certainly receptive of korean culture um the teams are essentially owned by koreans yeah, lote lote yeah. and I, I won't go into too many other details okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so that kind of despising rivalry i think japan has gone beyond that um it the heat just isn't there as much anymore. Um, oh, you know, you can't, can't talk about the politicians, though. <laughs> politics is a different area, but um, and even in politics, it, it mostly looks like Korea is trying to go Japan into something, as uh, China is right now as well. But uh, I don't know. Japan just seems to have. Uh, graduated from that kind of sentiment um it's it's no longer uh something that they see as as certainly uh beneficial um you know holding hatred is something that uh is not beneficial in the long run and it will eventually dissipate um japanese seem to think they, they can't really understand why they don't you know they they look down on people but they can't understand why the people they look down on uh, would possibly despise them. <laughs> it's it's kind of odd. I mean, they don't, they, and they're not they're not making choices to look down. It's just, it's part of, that is part. Unfortunately, it's it's a remnant of the old culture that's still around. That uh, Korean is this, and Korean is that. And, you know, Southeast Asians are this and that, and there's there's stereotypes that unfortunately live on. But as as far as a conscious, when people make conscious decisions, that goes out the window. Uh, unless you're a politician, in which you have to pander to, to special interests. And, but baseball doesn't particularly have that. I think the relationships between the organizations are very good. I think the relationships for the players are were good. 2006 was a was a watershed. 2006 when uh, Ichiro and and Park Chan Ho are going at it. Is that when Ichiro made the comments about uh, Dokto? 
No, I can't recall. Yeah. Yeah, he made a lot of comments yeah. that he uh, and he got he had beer thrown on him by Korean fans. Yeah, and that, definitely fired up the. Korean but the two thousand nine at Dodger <clears throat> Stadium, the final, the atmosphere. Oh yeah, was uh-huh. was intense for the game, but it was among the fans, the Japanese and Korean fans. There was essentially the only animosity was they're cheering louder than us. We better pick up the yeah, game. Uh-huh. It was very positive, very friendly. That slide yeah. into second. It was, yeah, it was helmet. more of a friendly rivalry than a let's go over and start beating some people up rivalry. Yeah, 2006 Tokyo <laughs> Dome, the, the Koreans planting the Korean flag on uh-huh. the mound at Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Of course, one of the gri- what a great, great game. Busloads of Korean fans. Uh-huh. To me, that was... Uh, the games that Japan, oddly enough, of course, Japan, uh, Korea beat Japan uh, twice mm-hmm. and only lost to them the one that yeah, time they counted in the semifinal. <laughs> so when are you guys going to work on a book on the Japan-Korea rivalry? Wow. We'll have to get somebody who knows a lot about Korea. <laughs> Patrick Borgo. Yeah, I heard of that. Yeah. 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 So, guys. Introduce me. Oh, yeah. Are you Saber? Huh. Saber member? Uh, I've lapsed. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I, I met Patrick uh, a few months ago. Yeah, he's a really great guy, and he's really into uh, digging up a lot of Korean baseball history. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically his, an historian, and I think that uh, his work with the Surya, or Korea uh, Saber and getting that whole yeah, one of getting that whole thing started mm-hmm. is going to be a real uh, watershed of information coming out of Korea on baseball over there and yeah I know I look forward to seeing what uh, the Saber committee in Korea is putting out well we'd love to have you guys over there we just started the group Patrick started the group Mm -hmm. along with Thomas St. John and uh, Thomas St. Yeah, John's Thomas St. John's still, still kicking. Yeah, right? you know Thomas. It's yeah, good from, from yeah. ages he's ago. Back. He's He's like a phoenix. He's revived himself. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that sounds painful. you got to go through the whole fire thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, a few years back, it just sounded like he was so... Deflated. Deflated, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I missed the deflation <laughs> scene. He was, he was, <laughs> where, did this, where did you learn about this uh, with what, Thomas? Thomas? Was this online? Yeah, Thomas online and Thomas coming to Japan now and then. And uh-huh. Used to come for the Major League Baseball tours here, I think. Ah. And, yeah, we were bumped into each other a few times, and then he just just vanished. Yeah, I'm just glad to see that he's uh, regained his enthusiasm for it. And because uh, back um, five, six, year, six years ago, uh-huh. uh, he was the person to go to for a lot of data and such. So, yeah, it's really good to see that he's regained his enthusiasm for Korean baseball. Well, I hope I got him back into it because last year I interviewed him for my documentary. And, I'm, and I'll put out the whole interview on a podcast sooner or later, and you'll get to hear his oh, whole good. story. Yeah, I'd really like to hear that. Jim's got to go to work. Yeah. Jim, yes, how, do, how, do the fans, how do the fans get in touch with you? Uh, with my email, which is uh, guidedogjapan at yahoo.com. Uh, I guess spelled the way it sounds. And Twitter. And Twitter at uh, J Ball Allen. 
And that's the best. And listen to his podcast, uh, Japan. Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast, starring John Gibson with uh, Ed McMahon. I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find that on iTunes and... Also uh, at the JapaneseBaseball.com. And right right here, the creator of Japanese... Ba- Japan? Japan? Japan Japanese JapaneseBaseball.com. JapaneseBaseball.com. Um, West Bay, how do the fans get in touch with you? Uh, email is WestBayStars at JapaneseBaseball.com. Also at gmail.com. Um, and I also post a lot to the uh, Google Plus Pro Yaku community. Um, and of course, uh, I have a blog on JapaneseBaseball.com. I, I run the site as, as well. So uh, you can find me all over in those places. I'm not a Twitter person yet, but uh, I'm starting to think that I need to get on that yeah, bandwagon on. as well. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I, I tend to prefer long form is the thing yeah. uh, over short form. So I've, uh, it's, it's just one of those things that I, it's going to have to take a change of uh, thinking. And, and I can see the benefit to it. Well, Twitter, the nice thing about Twitter is you can be short sharp and you can you can avoid you can get news out without having an opinion which is valuable when you work for a news agency <laughs> that doesn't value your opinion you have to be short and sharp well you you're not you're not your opinions are not really welcome yeah so uh I would. I was. I'd love to have blogged about about Tomasahiro Tanaka and the posting system, but that's not what they really want to hear. Is, is having somebody from a government subsidized organization saying what a lousy job they're doing. Well, you know, you've got a writer's page on JapaneseBaseball.com. Well, you again, can always the put it there. No, I can't. That's the <laughs> I, I'm not really allowed. I, I probably shouldn't. I, well, I did. I have thought about it. Okay, well, we well, could probably go on for hours here, guys. We could and we Listen, will, but don't try with these guys try at home in terms of sabermetrics and baseball knowledge you won't match them they're the godfathers or the, at least the current godfathers of Japanese baseball and English in Japan thank you Jim Allen thank you thank you Michael West thank you for your time from you Tokyo right oh, you're welcome anytime outside of Shimbashi Stadium there's station. some station, station. No, what there's, there's no stadium, stadium here Stata, Shimbashi <laughs> Station uh, this is why we better get out of here. Okay, <laughs> thanks a lot. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Matane. Okay, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. It was a, a pleasure. Yeah. Wow. Right, we could have probably stayed out here all day. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's more begun.